0: It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses.
1: Element.
0: Element. Element
1: FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, and anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app and type in 106.5 ELMNTFM or 95.7. E-L-M-N-T-F-M, and listen on your device of choice uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, anywhere across the country. It is our pleasure to welcome to the show Theola Ross, here to speak about a short film documentary uh, entitled Many Bloodlines. Uh, so welcome to the show.
2: Well, thank you very much. Yeah, uh, I am the director of Emiche uh, Toset, Many Bloodlines
1: yeah and do you prefer Theo or Theola, which: Whatever
2: floats your boat? I think uh, <laughs> most people tend to use Theo because uh-huh. uh, the pronunciation sometimes people don't mm. they can't read Theola mm. for some reason, but yeah, cool. whatever you like.
1: And um your background is is Cree. and what is the community?:
2: uh, Pimichikamak, Pimichikamak. Uh, Cree Nation up north uh, in Manitoba.
1: Pimichimac. Wow.
2: Yeah. Pimichimac. Uh, yeah. Name. So the English name is cross lake. Oh, yeah. So P- Pimichikamak means the, as uh, uh, the river crosses the uh, lake. Mm. So that's where the English name came from.
1: OK. Well, uh, as I said, it's great to have you here. And uh, of course, I had the pleasure of watching your your short 11 minute documentary. And congratulations. I understand it's an award winner.
2: Yes, it is. I am so thankful for that. Yeah, it is. It's surprising. And um, I'm completely honored.
1: Uh, and what is that for 2000, for 2020 that it won for?
2: Yes. Yes. So they, uh, Hot Docs is having an uh, online festival because yep. of the current climate yep. of COVID. Uh, so, yeah. So it's for this year. Yeah.
1: And for the, the Betty Euston Award for Best yes, Canadian Short Documentary. Yep. Wow, that's exactly. great, and of course, this uh, this little documentary is is a personal story of your own with your partner.
2: Yes, it's it's a story about our relationship and uh, where we decided that she, uh, being a white woman, um, we decided that she would be the one to carry, um, well, my uh, our mm. indigenous baby. So it's it's an IVF uh, reciprocal. Uh, mm. Story journey, which mm-hmm. means that uh, I'm the egg donor, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so there's a lot of layers there,
1: <laughs> yeah. Now, I have if you don't mind me asking for just from a technical perspective, is that a very complicated process?
2: To- it is, it, in a sense, and complicated in many ways, where uh, emotionally it's very complicated, but mm-hmm. yeah, if, uh, the process, the clinical sense of it is is very. Uh, long-winded, but it's it's also uh, uh, technical in a way of the process because we did get uh, we get we did get funding, so to speak, mm. uh, for the first round of mm. IVF uh, through Ontario, mm. which is great. Um, so financially, it, it it worked out really well as well. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, so I mean, from from. St- I guess, start to finish, so to speak. Uh, It took a year for prep. Mm. And then, of course, um, another few months for the procedure. And then, uh, of course, nine months for our beautiful child to be born. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, you get to follow that experience uh, during the film.
2: Yes. Yes. So uh, being an 11-minute story there could have been a lot more um, oh, oh, this yeah. could have been a feature but sure. uh to try to narrow down um in 11 minutes was was quite a process but I love short documentaries I I feel like it's a it's more of a challenge to try to make short stories and Creep people oh. like to to shorten things so <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't you know we just kind of uh, tell you beginning, middle, end, and that's it.
1: <laughs> and that's all you need, isn't it?
2: <laughs> you take whatever you want from that.
1: So, yeah. so listen. Why did you think it was important to share this story, and 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 the things that you shared in the story?
2: Um, I mean, there's there's so many things I could I could talk from, mm-hmm. um, um, but being that I'm uh, from. Uh, many intersectionalities, being queer, uh, being indigenous, um, being from the reserve, um, speaking a different language, um, and now living in an urban setting that I feel like uh, uh, in in today's climate that needs to be told, Uh, especially we don't see a lot of queer indigenous uh, stories out there, especially when it's women-centered. Mm. um we don't hear a lot of those stories um and uh talking about the relevance of of queer families is very very um uh, very true to my heart right now because uh especially on the reserve we don't hear a lot of those stories either Mm. so to share what my experience right now in an urban setting for my home community is also Mm. very dear to me because yeah, uh, there's little ones over there that uh, that see that and and they need to know that um, there's opportunities and and, and and that they're you know being listened to, mm. uh, especially queer youth on the reserve.
1: Mm. I think um, we're we're seeing more of the two spirited stories that are coming out though and and you know those those kind of things.
2: For sure, for sure, and I'm so happy for that. Yeah. Um, um, we we don't hear a lot of the family oriented kind of things. Mm-hmm. We 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 don't hear a lot of like, oh, queer families, you know, do exist. Uh, you know, queer people could have children,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and that they um, contribute to the world in a way that uh, um, everybody does. Mm. Um, we can't be heteronormative all the time because uh, the diversity of our world is is here, and we got to tell those stories. And I am having that opportunity to do that. I'm completely grateful.
1: Now, on top of of that, the other thing that is that is um, made clear in the story is that um, your partner is is uh, of uh, European or white heritage.
2: Yeah, she's she is uh, Eastern European. Mm-hmm. Um, she is. Um, uh, first generation Canadian. Um, her family is immigrated here. Uh, her father and her mother immigrated to uh, Canada. Mm. Uh, yeah, so she is as wet as it can get. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs>
1: But, but, it's yeah. I mean, you point that out and I'm just saying that because it is part of the story and you talk about that, you talk about your, your own family's relationships and, and you meeting her her family for the first time and and so it's interesting that those elements are in there and it's nice that you're not shying away from any of that stuff.
2: No, no, I don't. I, I feel like uh, uh, that's another uh, thing I really wanted to um, be the focus of the film as well because... You know, our child's mother, you know, in reality, she needs to decolonize um, the harsh truths of her whiteness mm. um, here in Canada. And, and and for her to do that, I commend her 100 percent because she tries every day to be an ally to our community. And uh, and, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why um, I find her so um, amazing as a person mm. Uh, to do that and and to be truthful and say you know um, we live in a world that uh, right now it's we have to address the truths of what white white supremacy and it has done to Indigenous people here in Canada. Mm. Um, she she birthed the, our mm-hmm. baby and mm-hmm. she's going to raise our baby and she's uh, our baby is going to be loved by a white woman a mm. white woman so um, she's going to have to. Um, Address those harsh truths.
1: Well, it sounds like there might be a, a you know a second part to the story at some point in the future, maybe.
2: <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what I was saying. That uh, it, it could have been a feature, mm. and um, I was I was thinking about it, but you know, it it was nice and sweet, short mm. and sweet, the way it was. Mm. And um, and looking at our baby, she started having a personality, and I was like, ah, you know having a a feature would have been a sense of somewhat a little bit of exploitation there. Mm -hmm, If I I went mm -hmm. ahead and and made that decision for my baby, but uh, maybe in the future, she might be a filmmaker and take it on. (laughs) Um, You never know.
1: (laughs) So tell us a little bit about your, your, uh, your, your past in terms of being involved with film then.
2: Oh my gosh. I, I didn't come out as a, as an artist. Uh, Oh my gosh maybe seven years ago eight mm-hmm. years ago it's mm-hmm. been it's it's been a short time mm-hmm. short short time um I'm a social worker yeah. I've, I've been doing social work for uh, oh man I'm gonna age myself about <laughs> uh, I don't know 17 years okay. throughout North America mm-hmm. I traveled a lot doing doing social services and then I was like uh, there's a part of me where, uh, I started feeling those effects of trauma because um, mm. uh, I, I am um, a product of uh, residential schools, you know, and mm-hmm. my mother went, my grandmother went, uh, I went to day schools. Um, so, you know, all those, all those layers started to come up and, sure. and I had to deal with it in, in a way. And art was one of those things. And I always gravitated to film. Mm. and documentaries I loved mm. um I I had I owned a camcorder mm-hmm. on the reserve I mm. don't know how I was gifted one of these mm. camcorders back in the day and I used to just film res dogs <laughs> and <laughs> and uh talk to people I mean neighbors and there's this little res kid with a camera in their face they're like what is this kid doing but <laughs> I, I always remembered that I I feel like I feel like film was always one of those things that I could uh, tell stories, nice. take my time with it.
1: Right, how yeah. oh, nice. I'm just gonna jump in and let everyone know that you're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, and anywhere across the country if you download the Radio Player Canada app. And uh, type in 1065 ELMNTFM or 957 ELMNTFM and listen on your device of choice anywhere across the country, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And also, if you happen to have missed uh, one of our previous conversations or interviews or caught part of one, you want to go back and hear the rest. You can also listen on our SoundCloud. You can go to our SoundCloud and uh, listen to all our previous interviews and conversations, which are there. And uh, at this point in time, right now, we are talking with Theola Ross, and she is the director of Many Bloodlines. And uh, Theola, you want to give us that, uh, the name in Cree again?
2: No problem. It's
1: Emichetoset. E. set
2: very good you
1: nailed it <laughs> all right and uh it's a story and a short documentary about her, her and her partner and uh their decision to uh, have a child but also talking about their personal lives in terms of their their mixed heritages that they're bringing together and their desire to as as a queer family to raise a child together and that's the other part of this that we haven't gotten into yet Theo and and I wanted to touch on this. There's two sort of other silent partners, I guess you might say that are in the film indirectly mm-hmm. um, the one is is your donor, and the other one mm-hmm. is the, your 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 midwife
2: right yeah uh so um our midwife um she, it, uh, we went to uh, seven generation uh, midwives here in Toronto. Mm. Uh, we had two midwives there uh, that were um, both uh, indigenous and it was very important for us to, to uh, have an indigenous, indigenous midwife. Mm. Um, and then there was a part uh, in, in the pregnancy where we were told that Steph would have to have a C-section. Mm-hmm. And we were all about, oh, you know, we're going to bring this baby into the natural, you know, Mm -hmm. this quote unquote natural way, uh, the indigenous way, you know, and, and we were afraid that the hospital was not going to be open to that. Um, But um, they were great. Uh, Sunnybrook was amazing. Mm. They were completely open. They had Indigenous midwives actually working mm. in the hospital, nice. advocating the needs that we needed, um, as you as you saw in the film, um, allowing us uh, the setting when the baby was first born for it to be completely silent was one of our our uh, our birth plans. Mm. And our midwives completely advocated for that, that uh, teaching um, what that significance of in our Cree culture, that Mm -hmm. the baby needed to hear our language first, my language first. And that was very important to me.
1: Yes, as it Um, it, uh, very much became evident in the film because you uh, were speaking to the baby and it was very noticeable that was the first thing the baby was hearing.
2: Yes, so that was, I, was, I was so thankful for our, our midwives for doing that, and very thankful for um, how amazing allyship just was completely evident with Sunnybrook. Mm. I really, I really commend them. Mm. And then our donor,
1: um, and and you had to go th- and you went through a bit of a process to to find the right donor as well, didn't you?
2: Yeah, yeah. Here, here in Canada, they're. Uh, there's not a lot of native men that go and, mm. you know, donate. Mm. Mm. Right. <laughs> um, so uh, we also had, you know, we had talked about various other ways of um, having a baby, whether it be adoption and mm. uh, fostering, uh, uh, maybe having a, a co-parenting situation mm. or uh, mm. having a friend have, have um, donating, um, but I, I think we came to the conclusion that we were just a close knit family that we really wanted to, um, honor, um, the fact that we, we, we were in search of, of, a donor and we ha- we were so happy that we found an indigenous donor, but we had to go to the States to do that. Wow. Yeah, uh so the magic of the interweb. Right. Uh we searched and searched and lo and behold, we found it was really hard. It was really hard. There was a lot of donors out there that were, you know, maybe one to five percent Cherokee was was the number one um right uh indigenous uh marker there. But uh there's one that was uh very much indigenous, which he was uh Salvadorian um uh Papil Salvadorian mm. and then Tongan. Mm. Um and then of course I'm Cree. Mm. Um so at this point my child is more indigenous than I am.
1: Was, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah.
2: In in, in <laughs> essence like like we're in essence we're decolonizing our own bloodline. Mm. Um, mm-hmm right now and in re indigenizing right. um, our home right. um, and that's to me very important
1: yeah now the other thing about about that um, process was um, that you were you were surprised also i think that when the the egg transferred or the process started that it took right away i think that was partly pointed out right you guys were yeah, a surprised about that yeah i was completely
2: that. surprised i mean i was doing research upon research on IVF and reciprocal IVF and um, Everybody was saying, you know, it doesn't you know, first round you got to be prepared um, But the magic of something happened and and when when I saw uh, the doctor they they put it on screen when they transferred the embryo into Stephanie I saw it on screen and I knew it was going to stick for some reason. That mm. little, little speck there. I don't know. It was, uh, I had a feeling mm. right there and then <laughs> I had a
1: feeling. Interesting. Yeah. Um, now can people see this online right now?
2: Yes, they can. Uh, I think we're number six right now mm. in the audience choice, mm. which is quite amazing. Right. Um, I'm honored by that. Um, but I think they extended it after the festival to be on until June 24, if I'm okay. correct. Great. Um, so they can go online at hotdogs.ca. Right. Um, and then uh, you don't have to memorize a imit- imit- set. <laughs> you could type in many bloodlines right. uh, and uh, you'll find it.
1: Yeah. Um, now, you gave me the reasons as to why you thought it was important that you told this story. What are you hoping that people take away from the story?
2: Uh, I think I think the best thing that I could say uh, is for me as a filmmaker, I feel like having resistance without um, the expectation of reconciliation is very important to me. I think telling the underlining truths of things is how I like doing my films. Mm. Um, I center advocacy uh, for social justice, for, for queer people, indigenous women, um, indigenous people. Uh, my baby is, uh, she's uh, female and, and missing murdered indigenous women. Mm. And S2 people is also there. Allyship is very important, how that looks and how it should look. Um, and what plagues the native native spirituality too is those binary beliefs that exist in our culture too. Mm. Um, and that's all due to trauma created by colonialism and I and I just hope to make change is basically what I hope people take away.
1: Wow, that's quite a bit.
2: Yeah. <laughs> for short, yeah. For a I got short film, a didn't I? <laughs> you
1: did. That's a lot for a little love-a-minute piece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it is it is a great story and it, and it's wonderful that uh, you you did think to document this and bring it forward for people to see and and share and and uh, and and use as tools for for many of the things that you just mentioned.
2: Yes. Yes. And thank you so much for your support and watching the film.
1: Mhm. Um, and- and and as again, uh, people can go online and look up many bloodlines. That's all you need to find, and you can Google Google that and, and look for that. Um, and and um, as mentioned, uh, you, I th- you said it was going to be up there until uh, the end of, near the end of June.
2: Yes. Yep. And they extended the the film. Yep. Uh, and,
1: yep. The Hot Docs uh, Online Festival. So congratulations once again uh, for being the winner of the Betsy Yosen Award for Best Canadian Short Documentary, though as well.
2: Thank you,
1: Send And all the best to your family and, and the little one. Thank you so much. How is she doing? Thank you so much.
2: She's doing great. She's yeah. uh, starting to move around a lot, yeah. and uh, she took her first steps actually yesterday. Wow. She she knew you were coming, so she needed to walk <laughs> for you, I think.
1: Well, that's great. That's great. Nyawa wa miigwech once again, Theola, for, for taking part in joining us on the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: And all the best in the future.
2: Thank you. Take care. Okay.
1: Take care. Bye-bye. That is Theola Ross, director of Many Bloodlines, and you can look that up to view that. 11 minutes online, uh, part of the Hot Docs Film Festival online, and uh, it'll be up there until near the end of June if you want to go see that Many Bloodlines. Check it out. That's this part of the show. We want to thank you, our listeners, for listening, but don't go away because we're going to be right back with more right after this. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses.
3: Element. Element. Element FM.
1: Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That is 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app and type in 1065 ELMNT FM or 957 ELMNT FM and listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is a pleasure, a great pleasure, I might add. No, a great, great pleasure, I might add, to invite and welcome our next guest to the show. She is someone you hear right here on Element FM. It is none other than our very own Krista Couture. Krista, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you. What a warm welcome. I appreciate it. Oh, I
1: wish I could make it even warmer because I'll tell you that uh, as someone, you know, that, that we've gotten to know each other since we've worked here at LMDFM. And, uh, you know, it is such a pleasure to know you. And I have to tell you that there are many aspects of your life which I was did not I wasn't aware of. So to be um, to to get to know you better, better, and to see the things that you have overcome in your life, uh, you are uh, very much uh, someone that that I admire in so many ways. Um, and on top of that, you're an amazing musician, and you write great songs. And now you've got a book coming out. I mean. What is there not to be in awe of when it comes to someone like yourself? <laughs>
4: wow, I love this conversation. I don't want to interrupt you. Go on.
1: <laughs> no worries. And, no, really.
4: And thank you. Thank you for for saying all of that.
1: Yeah, it's it's a pleasure, and and it's due because you are all of those things, and you mm-hmm. do do great work. And you know, you're a speaker. You make. Uh, you, you know, I saw a public uh, someone in one of the speaking engagements that you spoke at, and it was. Absolutely wonderful, and I can't think of a situation where you uh, would not be welcome, and certainly not have something to say that is encouraging for for people. And you know, I say that because you you sort of uh, 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 represent yourself as someone that that is out there to to uh, represent hopelessness and and hopefulness, and you know, your life speaks to all of those things. And uh, and so, having said that, and then you get out and you do this great show on Element FM. Uh, you, you provide this great afternoon uh, encounter with with our audience, and it's great to have you as part of the family here at Element FM.
4: Well, thank you. It must have been the, um, the, the walrus talk that you saw That's and it's true. I mean, I sometimes think I'm a master of none because I (laughs) do do a lot of different things, Mm. but it's just how I roll. It's how I find fulfilling and, you know, just finding new and different ways to connect and share. I'm like all about processing experiences and making art out of experiences and, Um, and so that's why I kind of tap into all those different areas.
1: And and good for you, uh, because I think that's what life. Um, hopefully, we uh, we can all aspire to is is making our experiences into uh, something that we can share and help others with. And I think that's what you do, and that you have done. And so mm-hmm. uh, I, I I greatly admire uh, that uh, that is what you are to me and and that's what I, I greatly admire and and now I've forgotten exactly what we are even supposed to be talking about today <laughs>
4: <laughs> but this is great I feel good
1: <laughs> I'm glad you do actually you know COVID 19 has put us all in a position where it has affected us in many ways locked us down you are a mother of, of children and uh, that was part of what we wanted to talk about was as as someone with children what to do with them you know uh, as we as we look to the summer months everybody wants to get outside everyone wants to mix it up and have fun especially kids right I love that saying about about children that uh, they are not careless, they're carefree. And uh, more of us should be that way. However, with COVID-19 knocking at our door, we need to be careful. And so uh, we need to look out for our children in some ways in that regard as well. So um, what are you thinking of for the summer months uh, for your kids?
4: Yeah, well, my daughter is just two and a half. Mm. And so during this time you know, she hasn't been like missing school and we haven't had to tackle homeschooling mm. and those challenges, mm-hmm. but we have had to keep her entertained and keep an eye on her <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
4: every waking hour because we don't have any childcare or, right. you know, any, we can't go to the library. We can't go, and go out and do the things we used to do together. And, mm. and so it's been a time of, um, just being as creative as we possibly can with all of these restrictions in place that we're all under, you know, mm-hmm. the playgrounds are closed. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those public places are closed. And, um, and so it's been, it's been a challenge now that it is warmer. That's really opening up our options. Thank mm-hmm. goodness. I mean, we have for the past couple months, Made more crafts than I've probably made in my whole life. And we've become a family that now we don't throw anything out or recycle anything. Mm. It'll be like a, an egg carton. I'm like, don't, don't, don't put to them recycling. We could make something out of that. Like everything is a, a craft possibility because right. it'll be something we could do for half an hour. Um, and so we just have become sort of hoarders of every object in case we can spend time making something out of it. And but now that it's warmer and we can go outside, I mean, it's Thinking creatively and in kind of small ways, I think what I've actually really appreciated about um, having to respond to uh, the pandemic and having a young child is like we've kind of had to keep everything close and small. And so, mm. you know, we're not going to the playground, but we're going for a walk in our neighborhood mm. and and ways that we try and like make that different each day or make it fun each day. Is we come up with things like different scavenger hunt lists, like we go on a walk and look for as many mm. red doors as we can find, and mm. you know that becomes our our right. task and our adventure. <laughs> um, or you know we have a basket by the door, and we decide if it's a day that we're going to just get sticks, mm. or a day that we're just going to get pine cones, mm. or you know a day that we're just going to look for you know, golden finches, like it's everything's kind of become smaller and Mm -hmm. focused, but it's also been really enjoyable to do that. Like to just kind of pick one thing because you have to make it last (laughs) and you don't want to like blow your whole scavenger hunt wad in one day. So it's like, okay, we'll just make it thematic. Today is a pine cone day and we go and collect as many pine cones. And then maybe that afternoon after nap, we paint the pine cones. Mm. Like it's just kind of looking at experiences and trying to break them down into as many smaller, fun little things we can do and take our time with everything.
2: Mm.
4: And I think that's what parents, again, I can only kind of speak to having young kids, but like that's what all of us are having to do. Like how do we stretch our resources? How do we get creative? How do we work with, you know, the space that we have? I feel really lucky we have a backyard. Not mm. everyone has that. Mm-hmm. And so like what can you do in the space that you have?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the fact that things like the the playgrounds were shut down with a young child of of two and a half, uh, they're big areas for for kids of that age, you know, want to go out, they want to play, they want to do these things. So, you know, just looking at this from a different perspective a little bit, um, from your your child's perspective, are they getting a sense of, of... What's going on? I mean, do they think, why can't I go play on the playground? You know, I mean, what are are they feeling um, perhaps like, I don't know, maybe they're being punished somehow? No. I, I don't know. I'm just, you know, throwing yeah. it out there.
4: I think, you know, again, at my daughter's age, for sure, at first, I and mean, we're now, what, three, uh, mm. three months into this. Mm. For the first, at least, month, she was pretty out of sorts because mm. her routine was totally changed. Mm. And so... You know, she she was kind of restless, a bit anxious because we weren't doing the things we usually do, which for us was going to like the drop-in, you know, mm-hmm. circle time, mm-hmm. going to the library and getting some books every week. Mm. Um, also, and this is, you know, so West Toronto, but like my partner every morning um takes my daughter to the coffee shop at the end of her Toronto mm. and they get like a latte every morning and sit and have a croissant at the coffee shop. Mm. Um but even that, like that's her routine and it suddenly was it it was gone. Mm. And I it really kind of threw her off. I mean kids like routine is so supportive for kids and that they know what's coming and they know what to do and they know what's expected. And so at first that definitely was unsettling. And, and now that it's warmer and we sometimes have like very socially distanced kind of play dates. Like we come up, this another creativity thing. We come up with games where the kids have to stay like 10 feet apart, mm. like parallel racing <laughs> and stuff. Um, and, You know, we use language like we do say, you know, remember, because of the virus, you can't touch your friend right now. And and, you know, that's going to change. But right now Mm. and like that's, you know, remember, this is the virus time. And so we try and talk about it in a way that we're using some language to acknowledge that this is a thing that's going on and we're not being too vague about it and Mm. also that it's temporary and not usually how we would be Mm. like I I I think about kids at her age and I'm like oh my god she's just being told to like not touch people and to Mm -hmm. (laughs) back away from people and of course there's settings where you want to be like that's not safe let's go away but I don't want her to think that her friends have to be distant that Mm -hmm. she can't hug her friends or her family and but right now that's the case and So it's trying to, like, talk to her in a way that it's like, oh, right, we can't do that right now, but hopefully not plant this approach for, you know, her life where she's feeling distrustful of of closeness. Right.
1: Yeah. It's a big thing for all the kids um, that are going through this. Yeah. I just want to jump in and mention to everyone that you're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 1065 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa and anywhere across the country if you download the Radio Player Canada app. And listen on your device of choice, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And uh, we are speaking with Krista Couture on the show right now. She is with us. It's a pleasure to have her. You can hear her on Element FM 106.5 in the afternoons, uh, Monday to Friday. And uh, she is also a musician. She is a speaker. She is so many wonderful things. You know, at the top of the show, there was so much to say about her, just, just in terms of a person, that... I, I want to now give you a little bit more about the the, the the person that we are talking to here, Krista Couture. She's an award-winning performing and recording artist, for instance, a nonfiction writer, broadcaster, as I just mentioned. She's also proudly indigenous. She's got a mixed culture of Cree and Scandinavian. She's queer, she's disabled, and, of course, she's a mom. And uh, Krista has shared those things uh, openly with people, especially about her loss of her leg and... Um, The loss of of her kids, she's she's had the loss of two children in her life as well. And so there's a lot there that Krista pulls from and a lot she can speak to. In the very short time she she has been here, and that is what I think I admire about uh, Krista so much, is that she has so much to offer and has, has done and is giving back. Now, Krista, you are also, you're coming out with a new book
4: Yes, my first book. It's a memoir called "How to Lose Everything," which yes. great you know, title. in <laughs> my <laughs> bio, you can probably guess why. Um, and it's a memoir about loss, about hmm. some of those losses that you mentioned—the uh, loss of my leg to bone cancer when I was a kid, the loss of my two first children, my sons Emmett and Ford, um, going through a divorce after that. And while it's a sad story, I don't think it's a sad book, and uh, I, it's been really a powerful and interesting experience writing a book. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of Mm -hmm. words (laughs) in Mm -hmm. a book. Um, But I found it really fulfilling, really, really satisfying to puzzle the pieces of a book together and learning about more about the literary world. And, you know, I didn't expect a book about loss to be coming out in the year of a global pandemic, but I think Mm. there'll be even more ways that people can relate to it or see themselves in it. I mean, people don't have to have gone through my experiences to be able to connect to lost we all have grief we all have had to let go of things and um so that's that's in there and i think it's been i mean there are experiences that i've talked about in my music over the years and the different albums i've recorded but writing a book became just it's a more fulsome way to tell kind of the whole story Mm. (laughs) and um i'm hoping that you know it's interesting you to like talk about like how I put these things out there. And and of course, I hope that people connect to them or can support people in their own experiences. But in part, I do that in it with a sense of like reciprocity, because I have received so much from the books that people have written, the Mm. songs that people have Mm -hmm. written, the stories that people tell. And in the earlier days of my grief and my losses, I looked to all of those things for support. Mm. And I'm kind of hoping by putting something back out there, I'm I can express my gratitude that I can contribute to these conversations about loss and parenthood and change and kind of say, OK, thank you. I learned from you and now I'm going to share my experiences and maybe someone will learn from them, too, because that's you know what we do. That's our human thing.
1: Yeah, and, and and not everyone connects with uh, with everyone else's stories. Um, I guess that's why, because otherwise there'd only be one book out there, wouldn't there?
4: <laughs> right, <laughs> right, yeah, and we're all curious. I yeah. mean, I think sometimes people see at least the point form of my of my losses, and some people think, "Oh God, okay, that's well, that's extraordinary." And and I have had extraordinary experiences, and so I think if those seem foreign to someone, I'm very um, willing and, and want to invite people to, to look at my stories. And I'm kind of showing you like, well, this is what it's like. This Mm -hmm. is what I saw and what Mm -hmm. I know. And, Mm -hmm. and exactly, if there was only one story, we wouldn't need to do that. And so we're curious about each other, hopefully. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, we have this interest in like experiences that aren't like ours. And we, you know, I think books are this wonderfully immersive way to kind of learn and expand and and get a sense of something that we may never come close to.
1: Mm. You know the other thing i was thinking of as you were talking there and and about your your own life and your personal experiences and the fact that you're putting out this this book um uh, how to lose everything and it, it's an interesting title of course uh, and i don't know why you you put it that way and and i think that we tend to as a society and it's no surprise I'm not telling you or anybody else anything new we tend to want to hide you know things that, that won't make us happy or you know they're sad or they're there's stuff we th- we think we shouldn't be talking about it's you know it's not polite to talk about or or you don't know, want to cause other other people more grief but in fact you know when there is loss sometimes it is talking about it sometimes it is sharing it that that can help yourself and others
4: Absolutely. I mean, we have this thing, this Western cultural thing, the kind of age of good vibes only, Mm. which I find kind of (laughs) non-human. It's not possible. It's Mm. not possible to have good vibes only Mm. because there's always hurt and there is always tragedy and there is always illness. And not to say that everyone's experiencing those things all at once, but someone is. (laughs) And right now during this time, a lot of people are. A lot of people are in an overwhelming Scary place of loss, and we can't pretend that's not happening. And so, you know, to exclude the harder parts of our lives, to exclude the painful stuff, to exclude the the bummer, <laughs> is to to deny ourselves the breadth of experience. Um, and so, I think that is a part of like my my shtick. I mean, you you know, talked about how I'm an advocate for hopelessness, and I I say that because I I I want people to be okay with despair like yes it's hard and it's uncomfortable and it hurts but we have to accept it and we have to accept hardship and we have to accept struggle and and have space for it and but and it's not to then also exclude joy i'm just saying mm-hmm. that we need space for both sides we need mm-hmm. to allow the the range of human experience and not just have an emphasis on what's you know quote unquote positive because mm-hmm. we're really just cutting ourselves off from you know the depth of of what's available to us.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that you know I, I remember just seeing something online recently, and it's it, again it's one of those things that I've heard before, but it's about uh, the teachings uh, of of life and about success, for instance, as an example, and uh, it's really uh, we only learn how to be successful through through failure. Right? Mm-hmm. If we didn't, ha- if we didn't have failure, we wouldn't learn much. Uh, they're mm-hmm. the things we learn from, right?
4: Absolutely. And even I was having a conversation the other day with someone, and she was using the the phrase, you know, being a lady of leisure, and 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 I was thinking about experiences of leisure and pleasure, and mm-hmm. how really I find those are only um, most. Mm, what's like most vital when they're in contrast it's sort of mm. similar to mm-hmm. you know success you only become successful and learn by making mistakes and having failures otherwise th- there's nothing to measure right and I think there's you can only kind of really measure your enjoyment um, and your pleasure when when you're Con- contrasting against the other feelings like even right. something like coming inside for a hot cup of tea is going to feel really good if you came in from a cold windy day <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> you know there's sort of like the contrast yep. and the shift because if you came in from kind of lounging in the sun and having a delightful morning and then you mm. come in and you have the like delicious beverage whatever it is it's like i find you need the contrast to sort of truly appreciate both sides
1: it's true it's, it's just as true as what you're just saying it's on a hot day. Uh, you wouldn't appreciate a hot drink as much as you would a cold drink coming in from outside, right? Yeah, the you need to compare again. it to something. <laughs> right. It's refreshing, then. Uh, or you need something to warm you up on a cold day. It's a, like you said, it's those contrasts. Um, I want to go back to, to your kids again. And because you, know, you mentioned the first uh, month or so, that you, is it your daughter? Yeah. So she, you know, she was her her her, uh, regular routine was all messed up. Now, a lot of parents um, may be using online uh, services, uh, so to speak, you know, letting the kids be, uh, you know, looking at the screen a lot and and watching television and or, you know, whatever it might be that that's entertaining them. How are you? Uh, balancing that—if you are at all—do you let your your child on devices? Do you let your kid online to to view things? How do you how do you deal with that?
4: Yeah, we do, and I think during this time there's been a little bit more than there would have been otherwise, mm. and in part because we are restricted on the things we can do in her day, and because we don't have, you know, we're not breaking up our childcare time with um, other like mm. her play groups or. You know, we had used to have two days of childcare, and now we don't. And and so having devices, I think, has become a really useful tool in a way that we you know we'd sort of use it a little bit before. We've always been careful with how much she looks at a screen, mm. um, but even sometimes. So yeah, like she has a couple games she plays on my phone and you know she has a couple of videos she likes to watch I try to always kind of do it with her mm-hmm. <laughs> like maybe I'll be trying to wash some dishes while she's sitting on mm-hmm. the floor with the thing so at least we're mm-hmm. kind of participating but right but sometimes God, the 10 minutes that she'll watch something on YouTube I can get so much done in 10 minutes so it is really really I'm very grateful <laughs> to her favorite little videos that she watches mm. and we've also joined a couple um like zoom playgroups and song circles and that's been a nice way to and it is not the same it is not the same as being in a room with people but at least we're getting to like sing some of the songs together and we see other kids on the screen and we see some of the people we recognize from when we used to go to the playgroup in person Um, so we've absolutely added more screen time than we had before but I think it's 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 been so useful. And I think the conversation around screen time has shifted a little there. I think has always been a lot of shame on parents mm, if they mm-hmm. employed any screen time. <laughs> and of course there's, you know, the recommendations from pediatric organizations yep. of no more than two hours right. or whatever for different ages, all of that is important. But I think sometimes, you know, if you see a kid on a phone, there's sort of this assumption like that they've just been on it all day long, mm-hmm. but Right now, like parents really need a break. They really need some help. They really need some tools to keep their kid entertained or to also just for themselves be able to sit down for five minutes. And so screen time, I think, has been really – helpful and it's also like i mean i've been amazed my two and a half year old the way she can play games on my phone like it's she's really figured out the touch screen (laughs) and like you know i turn off the internet and i you know make sure no notifications are coming in and Mm. she's not accidentally like responding to my text messages Mm but um (laughs) it's wild how how quickly she's become skilled
0: Mm. at
4: uh doing something on device and it's part of her world i mean there's going to be devices in this technology and so i'm trying to like Forgive myself for relying on it a little bit more and then also just appreciate the way that it's there. But I think right now everyone's just doing like what they can do. You know, I feel like whatever you need to get through right now is Mm. okay. Mm. Like Just Mm. whatever it takes. If it (laughs) takes two hours watching TV, fine. (laughs) It's fine.
1: (laughs) Okay, just before we go, Krista, uh, another question related to to your daughter and to your family and to your experiences of life. Because I get a sense that you, as a person, are going to approach what and how you uh, talk about life differently than someone else might because of your own personal experiences that you've gone through. Um, In terms of dealing with uh, uh, some of the, the less happy moments in life, how do you deal with that with your kids?
4: Oh man, good question. I'm going to be learning more as she gets a little older yeah. and starts to comprehend more.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: I mean, it's interesting. I notice even though I have this um dedication to allowing for the, you know, so-called negative feelings. Mm. I, I I talk about it. It's part of my profession. It's part of my mm-hmm. creative work of waving this flag of saying it's okay to feel crappy. <laughs> <laughs> um And then at the same time, I look at my, my joyful daughter and I want to protect her from everything. And Mm. I want her to, I, at the same time, I'm like, I want you to be okay. I want you to feel good. And I, Mm. I notice those thoughts happening in my head at the same time. Mm. Um, I mean, I try to practice with her, with her own big feelings of just, you know, acceptance and, Mm. and learning ways to, you know, be okay with the different emotional Mm -hmm. responses and, And then I try to follow her lead. I mean, I think kids are always learning. They're constantly learning. When have you not seen a kid learning, no matter what they're doing? And they also really guide us. And so, I mean, I've been amazed just in the two and a half years so far that I'm often just kind of responding to where she's at and the words she's using and the things she's noticed. You know, and we'll see. We'll see. I'm no expert. I think sometimes people think I'm an expert on loss and I, I wouldn't use that word. Mm. I just have had a lot mm. of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we'll see how that plays out in parenting.
1: Right. right. Nicely said. Uh, great way to end our conversation. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show, Krista
4: thank you for having me
1: it's uh, like I said my pleasure and uh, listen all the best to you with the book all the best to you with your, the wonderful uh, recordings that you've put out the latest uh, CD you, you've put out wonderful stuff wonderful I encourage thank everyone you. to go and check out Krista Couture online you can check her out at uh and you can uh, scroll through her website there and find out about uh, all the things that she's involved with and, uh, and, and so yes please do so and listen to some of the wonderful material that she has. That's this part of the show. We're going to be right back with more right after this.
4: Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element.
0: Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth on Element FM. I'm Matthew Bison, joined now by Trina Mather-Samard, who is the executive director of Ottawa's Summer Solstice Indigenous Festival, which this year is happening online. Is happening in the virtual realm. Now Trina, first off, when did you realize you were going to have to shift the festival online?
3: Well, I'd have to say it was about mid-March after the March break time. We were, like many festivals, kind of watching uh, the changing regulations and trying to decide what our next step may be if we were going to cancel or postpone. Um, And then eventually the final consideration was taking it virtual.
0: Okay. What were some of the first things you did to facilitate the change from physical in-person to virtual?
3: Uh, so I think the very first thing I did was reach out to all of our partners, our funders and our sponsors to see if I had the support and the budget to make that happen. Um, because, you know, I wasn't quite sure how we would be impacted by the funding that we normally receive for our live event and if we would be able to, to reapply it for a digital one. Um, And I wanted to make sure that we had the budget to pay the artists and pay all the technical and production uh, we would need to make it happen.
0: Okay. What would you say were some of the most difficult elements of the festival to move online, to move to a virtual setting?
3: Um, You know, I think the hardest one for me to wrap my head around originally was probably the powwow. Um, You know, I really literally took each program element and just kind of you know, I guess internally brainstorm, like, what do we do there and how could we have the artists uh, or presenters still involved? And then, you know, how can we make that connection with community still through that program? So, um, you know, with the power because it's so visual and, you know, such a powerful in-person experience, I think that was the hardest one originally for me to uh, wrap my head around how I could do it. Um, and so we had started developing some of our other programming first, and then we moved to a partnership, uh, which was really key with the uh, social distance powwow. And they have done a great job of building an audience, um, you know, I think over 195,000 on their Facebook just since the uh, COVID-19 and uh you know so for us then the powwow made sense you know tapping into that community and being able to you know allow our singers and dancers to still compete on that platform
0: that's incredible and i'm looking forward to seeing you know how that looks like and how that plays out uh, that's of course coming up this sunday this weekend
3: it's all weekend yeah so on friday and saturday we have our uh, it's kind of like round one of the competitions. And so there's a set schedule where different categories can upload their videos and it goes to um, a general, you know, likes for voting. Uh, and then the top five from each category come back and we go to a Facebook Live event uh, that'll be run on our site as well as on the social distance powwow site. And uh, that's the top five from every category, and it'll go to a poll for voting for uh, winners for the prize money.
0: That's amazing. I'm so excited to seeing uh, to see how it all sort of plays out. We're talking to Trina Mather-Samard, who is the Executive Director of Ottawa's Summer Solstice Indigenous Festival, happening online virtually this year, and uh, great events happening all month long. Now, a couple of things we didn't really touch on yet, though, that to me are so unique, so just impressive that you're able to have these elements of the festival online and virtual when you're not able to do it physically let's start with the artisans i think that's what a lot of people sort of think of when they probably walk into the park mm-hmm. or to take in summer solstice is take a look at all the incredible jewelry and crafts and uh, that's just scratching the surface of probably so many other things how did you sort sort of go about having them involved in the festival this year
3: yeah so again when we were looking our vendors, you know, I, I realized that uh, even though we were going to be significantly impacted by uh, if we canceled or postponed the event, you know, those are very small, sometimes micro businesses, family businesses, and they rely on the powwow trail to uh, to make a living. Um, so that was one of the first things we thought, how can we support these vendors? Um, we kind of did a poll, a survey of, we have normally about 75 vendors that attend the summer solstice. And so we did a bit of a poll to figure out how many of them are using e-commerce. Our first thought was, you know, we could create a platform and just share their personal stores and, you know, direct people uh, that way. But there was such a small percentage of them that even had that kind of online presence or e-commerce. It was less than 25% of them. Um, so we decided instead to collect their inventory and create a virtual marketplace, uh, Shopify store. And uh, so we've collected their inventory and we're working with another Indigenous business, uh, Go For It, Deliveries uh, for Fulfillment. And so it's been great. We've, you know, got, I think, over 40 Indigenous businesses up. We've actually sold out a lot of the inventory. We're presently restocking so that uh, we have some more inventory to last us through June. So it's been uh, a great success for a lot of the businesses involved
0: that's amazing and then the other facet of the festival that to me has been just so remarkable to see how you sort of approached it is the culinary aspect i think a lot of people you know like virtual performances have been pretty set that's doable but how do you do something like the chef challenge that was so successful last year in terms of bringing together all these chefs and culinary experts and having people actually get to sample these incredible dishes you guys found a way to do it though
3: (laughs) Yeah, I'm really proud of the culinary program. And, uh, you know, it's with, with the support of our partners, uh, TD Bank as well as Indigenous Tourism Ontario, um, have allowed us. I really feel like, you know, any kind of cultural celebration, community celebration is, you know, around that food and, you know, coming together and having our traditional foods at uh, events like the powwow and festival, you know, are really important. And so we wanted to find a way. Uh, to still bring that into the homes of uh, our community and everybody that attends the event. So, um, yeah, we came up with those, you know, they're basically online cooking workshops that we uh, film, and then we package the traditional foods and send the kit home. So, uh, you know, we've had venison stew and maple wild rice pudding. Um, We had uh, an Inuit uh, chef, Trudy, uh, prepare uh, Arctic char and you know this week we are bringing back uh, the box with uh, Chef Sezen with the uh, venison stew and we've introduced a new one to kind of celebrate the powwow culture and we have uh, Chef Sean uh, from Powwow Cafe in Toronto is going to be uh, helping us to make a gourmet uh, Indian taco with buffalo chili so yeah we really just tried with each programming element to figure out how we could bring that home and bring that sense of culture and community into the home.
0: That's fantastic. All right, we've got just about a minute left. So just quickly, other than yeah. uh, the power we've talked about, what are maybe one or two other things that are still to come on the festival that people can check out this week?
3: So one thing I'd like to say is we've had so many people who you know felt they'd missed out. They'd seen this great workshop like the seal skin earrings or the paint night with Simon Brockapay or the forged traditional teas with Chef Paul Owl. And they said, oh, you know what, I missed it. Uh, so I guess the one thing is that all of our videos are live um, on the site, at least for the month of June. So people can go back and, you know, continue this experience all month. And uh, we are posting in our virtual marketplace all of the kits um, that we've been sending home from the previous program. So, you know, people still have that chance over the next uh, week and a half to have that experience at home. And uh, we encourage everyone to check out the virtual marketplace and continue to live the Summer Solstice Indigenous Festival
0: experience. That's amazing. And if people want to find out more, what's the website they should check out?
3: It is summer solstice festivals, plural, .ca.
0: Perfect. You can get more details on our website, too, elementfm.ca. Trina mather samard Executive Director of Summer Solstice Indigenous Festival in Ottawa. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Miigwech.
1: And that's our show today on Moment of Truth. We want to thank you, our listeners, for also tuning in and being a part of our, our show here at Element FM. Until next time. We'll see you then. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses.
3: Element. Element. Element FM.